When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it made sense to come here that way. And then just the other thing, man, you, once you connect with people and make friends with people, you want to physically be there for them. So no matter where it is, as long as I feel like I'm relatively safe, I would, I would always go in person. Yeah. And so safety is huge, right? And you've got the background with not only being in the military, but the law enforcement. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I don't know. Do you feel safe everywhere? How does that work? I, well, I feel safer here than I than I do in the U.S. right now with everything going on, the way we have it. Um, no, nah, man, you do you do your research and you you figure out what 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 place makes sense to go to, and you know everything that we do, Jerome, the the working, the real estate, the networking, the who finding resources and all that. You can apply those skills to something like this, too, for the greater good of people. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. We've got the great fortune of having Maurice Philogene back with us today. I know you're not stateside, man. Where are you at this time? <laughs> today, I am in Beirut, Lebanon. Whoa. How you get a pass? happening, <laughs> man? What are you doing? Well, listen, uh, good to see you, Jerome. Good to be back on Dreamcatchers. Uh, COVID's going to be around for a while, so you better find a way to exist in this stuff be safe with it or whatever, because the world's going to keep moving one way or the other. Um, but not the whole world is closed totally to the U.S. Uh, the Mideast is open, Turkey's open, Far East Asia's open. It's just a matter of getting clear to travel. So I did the research I needed to do, you know, got the whole COVID testing going before I left the States. You know, it's pretty cool. You can't even get on a flight without showing a negative test. So I actually respect that. And then had to get checked again when I got to the country before they would let you in. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. It's, it, it's real, brother. <laughs> it's real. It's not just getting a ticket anymore. Now you're getting a ticket and letting people scratch the back of your eyeballs with a Q-tip. That sounds like no fun. So what no. made you feel like you had to leave the country and go to Beirut? What, what drove, pulled you there? Yeah. So uh, we, Jerome, you, you know how I am. I am um, spending a lot of time on multifamily real estate and other ventures to build equity and capital and 
uh, initiate cash flow and all those types of things that we try to do really well. But part of um, my crew's philosophy is also in philanthropy and my own self values come from helping people, whether it be stateside or overseas. On August, I was actually scheduled to be in Lebanon on July the 31st. I'm glad that I wasn't because on August 4th, um, there was a really devastating blast here. It is now considered the third worst blast in human history, only after the two nuclear bombs that we dropped in World War II. And it, I mean, it was devastating here and it killed over, I mean, I think the numbers are rising, but it's somewhere in the 200 figure, and, you know, and then with 5,000 people injured. Um, so I had been spending time in Lebanon since last November. And when I understood that there were people here who were hurt and who were in need, uh, rather than just go on vacation, I rerouted and wanted to be here to help people to the extent possible. So that's what brought me over here. So this is perfect. Why weren't you able to travel at the end of July? Oh, <laughs> well, okay, because um, my team, Quattro Capital, we were closing on an additional 67 units in um, Tennessee. And the closing, not randomly, but quickly got scheduled for July 31st. I thought it'd be somewhere in, in the August time frame, but it just made sense to close on July 31st. So I rerouted down to Tennessee, spent some time with the deal team down there, the property managers, networking and all that type of stuff, and actually scouting out new properties day, um, which I think we got another contract today. Uh, so that kept me from coming over here earlier in the time frame. So, you know, real estate, philanthropy, it all, it all mixes with each other. Now, what was super cool about our conversation, I don't know if it was cool or not, but you said, you know, had I been in Beirut the day that the blast happened, I probably would have mm -hmm. been in a spot that's no longer around. Brother, <clears throat> that the, the blast happened at the port and right across the highway from the port, literally two minutes, is, a, is an area of town called Jameza which uh, in like, you know, cool terms might be Soho or something like that in New York or, or maybe Adams Morgan in DC. Um, I'm always down there when I'm in town because there's like-minded entrepreneurs, there's amazing people doing nonprofit work, there's a lot of creatives down there, artists, uh, uh, what was I gonna say, uh, beer makers, craft brewery makers and all that type of stuff. It's just a really cool part of town. So anytime I've come, I've always hung out down there and specifically at two or three places where I become very uh, friendly with the owners, just from a mindset perspective, we all vibe. So there's no doubt in my mind that I would have been down in that neighborhood at six or seven o'clock uh, timeframe when that blast happened. So, uh, you know, I don't want to put that type of aura on myself, but for some reason it just wasn't my time to either get terribly hurt or to, to leave this planet, if you will. Yikes. Okay. It's tough. It's heavy. Heavy. You're there. You know, yeah. your first takeaway when you hit the ground and you look around at what you remember to be like a really beautiful and magical place for you. Yeah. So um, it, it, it was and it still is. I think that's the key. Uh, prior to leaving, I made a couple of phone calls and was able to raise about $12,000 to bring over with me for good causes here. So that's the first thing. So I'm happy about that. And that comes from folks in the real estate space or personal friends. And I'm very gracious um, for that. 
Um, but when I got here, a friend picked me up and we drove through the, through the area right away, like at nighttime, uh, the area that was most impacted, although the radius of that blast is like 30 miles, 30, 40 miles. It was felt that far away where buildings had shattered. But you have high rise buildings, Jerome, that were built a year ago, let's say luxury apartments. The whole facade of the 40 or 50 flights totally ripped off. The pressure of the blast sucked furniture and people out of the buildings. And you can just see that, you know, where there was a living room at the end of the apartment, it's all towards the front of the apartment where there was a, a window. Everything has been sucked out. The electricity is not back on in the neighborhood, so it's somewhat apocalyptic, if you will. You know what I mean? But these are people's homes. These are where people raise their kids and have dinner. And they were on balconies when that blast, there was a fire first. So people were on balconies watching it. And then that blast came, so they had no, no chance. You know what I mean? Um, and you feel it. And I've been in war zones before, man. You know, I've been, was in the military for a very long time. I'm telling you what I, what I saw down there and what I've been seeing is not nor there's no way to express it, is, I guess is what I'm saying. There's no way to express it. And a lot of people here are still processing. Even someone like me just coming in to try to help, I'm kind of processing of, should I be acting normal? Should I be in a panic? Should I go down and help more? Should I ease back? Because this is not my, my normal space, you know? But it's such a tragedy, man. It's, I think even just my presence being around where I haven't seen people in a little while, the fact that they see someone coming from such a far distance to help out, that's a little bit comforting for people. And, uh, you know, I get to bring a little bit of joy to some folks since I'm in town. So why not just send money? Like, why, why risk coronavirus? Why risk being in an area where there might be a second blast? Like, why, why not just send money? That's not my style. I mean, well... There are other implications. Um, there are a lot of government issues here. You think, you think we have issues in the US, the, the, the structure of the Lebanese government is, is a bit challenging. Uh, so you don't necessarily wanna donate your money there. There are a lot of NGOs that you can donate your money to as well. Um, that's fine. But the Lebanese uh, pound has been devalued by a factor of eight over the past few months. So if I can bring US dollars physically here, that dollar will have way more buying power on the ground uh, than it would if I'm donating online. Probably, probably eight to one. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I can go out and buy, you know, two full shopping carts of groceries for $30 at the moment because the buying power so, is so strong. So it made sense to come here that way. And then just the other thing, man, you, once you connect with people and make friends with people, you want to physically be there for them. So no matter where it is, as long as I feel like I'm relatively safe, I would, I would always go in person. Yeah. And so safety is huge, right? And you've got the background with not only being in the military, but the law enforcement. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I don't know. Do you feel safe everywhere? How does that work? I, well, I feel safer here than I, would, than I do in the U.S. right now with everything going on the way we have it. Um, no, nah, man, you do, you, you do your research and you, you figure out what, what, what place makes sense to go to. And 
you know, everything that we do, Jerome, the, the working, the real estate, the networking, the oh, finding resources and all that, you can apply those skills to something like this too, for the greater good of people. Um, so, you know, you, you, I'll do research on the safety aspects of it. And then at anywhere you go, there are people who are going to look out for you as long as you've connected the right way. So of course I have a great circle here and then people picking me up and all those types of things. But, you know, I just wanted to bring some level of awareness to the fact that it was literally the, the size of a nuclear bomb that went off in a place. And uh, it's almost like it's fading out in our news back in, back in the U.S. already. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of people in need. So coming out was a, is a good little thing, but, you know, the hustle doesn't stop while I'm out here. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, how do you just unplug? Because, I mean, you've got an internet connection, but, I mean, you just bought a new... Since the last time we talked, you guys stuck down one in Atlanta too, and there might have been another one in the mix as well. So, like, how does real estate keep going while you unplug? We talked a little bit about time and location freedom before, but you're actually yeah. buying it today. So let's walk through that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, listen, I was out yesterday and was talking while I was out. I was talking to brokers by email um down in that area that i've been concentrating on in knoxville tennessee there's something else that came to the well that is going to come to the market i'm trying to snatch it before it gets on the market it's all the tools that you and i have talked about cell phones email virtualizing your systems uh zoom is a big one now i have i'm seven hours ahead of you so my day is actually starting probably now like people are starting to get up on the east coast now right so I'll be in, I have about four or five hours of Zoom meetings starting around 7 p.m. local time with my own team, uh, one broker, one prospective investor. I think that's it. Then I had Zoom, Zoom meeting with my oldest kid yesterday, right, about his college stuff. So uh, we're, we're in this mode now where uh, virtual operations is a big deal. It's, I mean, it's COVID times. Virtual operation is a big deal. Mobility is a big deal. And, and look, this goes back to exactly what you and I have talked about before, of the freedom to do life and exist your way. If I can get on a plane without impacting my business or impacting my relationships, I'm still connected with you, right? Checking in and, and chatting and stuff. Still doing my work. Um, still searching for properties. Still talking to investment, uh, potential investors. Yet, I'm in a location where earlier in the day, I can go donate three or four hours of my time to do something good. Uh, I'm all for it. So no, we don't need to be stuck in whatever space we are in, um, you know, in our local neighborhoods. Go to a national park, work from there, drive cross country. And even back home, I'm considering taking uh, little Noah and grabbing an RV and running around the US for a while. Because, you know, we just can't sit still. He's not gonna have school till January, so. Might as well move around a little bit. Without question. And you're on sabbatical, right? From your other job. From my, <laughs> I, I, I strategically took time away from those, in, from those endeavors. Yeah. 
So I'm off the clock for maybe a month or another month or two. We'll see how it all shakes out. This is amazing, man. So it works. A lot of different places I could go. The one thing that I did want to do since I heard you talk about it a little bit with Ruben on the Capitol Radio yeah. is, you know, being a police officer and in a current environment, what, what do you see? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? And you get to see both sides of the coin. So share that, share a little bit about that and your perspective with the listeners, if you don't mind. Yeah. So what Jerome is referencing is that I, I am also uh, not only I am a, certainly a real estate investor. That, that's mostly why we're, we're talking. But I'm also um, a midnight patrol officer for a police department in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I do it more part time now. Um, and I kind of I'm starting to see the horizon a little bit, Jerome, just because time is getting uh, harder. But um it has been a, I've, I've been in a really unique situation. Uh, the number one thing is I'm a black man first, have been my entire life, will always be my entire life. So everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd directly impacts me as a person. I'm also the father of two black kids. So everything going on with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and the movement also matters for my kids as well. Um, but I'm also a police officer in the space and it makes it very, very uh, tricky and dynamic because I do believe that there are systematic problems with the way we do policing today. And I'm a police officer saying that and I, I don't have a problem saying that. Um, after the George Floyd incident, I actually started to go do research myself on where, how law enforcement agencies evolved from back in the 1500s and they, Interestingly enough, they started out of slave patrols way back when, and they have evolved over time into what they should be, which is protecting citizenry and what have you. But there are systematic things that exist that are still on the books that I think cause uh, the policing industry to not be the most friendliest to the citizenry that it should be serving. On the other hand, Jerome, I work with some of the best officers that exist on the planet. I have not seen in my time uh, an incident such as the, the one we saw with George Floyd or what have you. So it's very hard to be a police officer and then constantly turn on the TV and all you constantly hear is what you've done wrong, uh, why you're a malicious person, you should have more training, you should have more this, you should have more that, yet you are someone who's trying to do your job well. And oh, by the way, they're only making $45,000 a year under all the scrutiny. So it's just a really, really difficult situation, but there's, you know, there's merit on both sides of the coin for sure. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's been so unfortunate. Um, for the thing that I've struggled with most, and maybe you can help me a little bit with it, and we've never had this conversation, so this is an exclusive, yeah. is like the video culture, the cell phone culture. Like, why would people just record it instead of intervening or saying something so that they could de-escalate the situation or move the energy from where it was to somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. Um, I, I would not want, like if I'm, if I'm in official, if I am in an official capacity, I don't want citizens intervening per se, because you are, you are already charged with you, the officer, you're already charged with, um, 
protecting the safety of the person that you're dealing with on the scene, protecting your own safety, protecting the safety of the other officers, protecting the safety of the people around you, citizenry around you, right? You, if you add in three, four, five, six more people trying to intervene, getting in the way, doing certain things, it's really difficult. I think right now what people could, can do is be the best observers as possible because to be blunt, those videos are actually changing behavior. What I'm seeing now is uh, less proactivity from officers, uh, not wanting to um, get themselves into bad situations or what have you. Um, so, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather someone video than, than be getting involved and like complicating the situation or even escalating it more if they don't know the backstory of what has happened. Um, but I'm, I'm all for everything being videoed because there's nothing that we do that shouldn't be at the behest of the public. So for me, it's, it's fine. I kind of want it and respect it. Got it. Makes a ton of yeah. So I know you got to move on to some other things. Are there any other final thoughts or ideas you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, I appreciate that. And the, the, the reason I wanted to jump on today was uh, actually because I am here in Lebanon volunteering. I think a lot of times we're doing so much with our endeavors to scale, our endeavors to go after our financial freedom, our endeavors to find the right resources, to get the right new asset, to plug in the new process and procedure that we have. We can and should take a beat and use some of the revenue that we're generating to help other people. And it can be your way. It doesn't need to be you getting on a plane and coming to an environment like I'm in right now. It could be something local in your community, uh, helping clean a national park, uh, helping out with one of the uh, uh, gender movements or equality movements like Black Lives Matter or something. And I think that the more I've spent time on the philanthropic side of who I am as a person, the more I'm getting out of what I'm doing as a investor and professional. So, you know, I just wanted to give folks that sense that you can do something unique if you'd like to and come up to a place like Lebanon if you'd like to, or you can impact someone's life right down the, right down the street from where you live at home. Either way, just a way to give back. Maurice, I appreciate your generosity. I'm sure the folks of Beirut are really grateful to have had you come into the sphere and to be back at a time of need instead of just coming back for vacation and hanging out, man. Yeah, that's what's up. Safe travels. I look forward to connecting with you. I just want to tell you thank you again for coming into the Mid-Atlanta Multifamily Investing Conference and sharing with us. Got a lot of positive feedback from your talk, man. So really appreciate you. That was fun, man. Anything you do, I'll always be there and vice versa, I'm sure. Yeah, man. I appreciate you, Maurice. We'll talk soon. All right, bro. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.